Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune. I'm a realtor right here in the Greenville area. And if you need a Greenville realtor, you can find all my contact information in the show notes. I'd be happy to talk to you. Send me a text, shoot me an email, uh, give me a call. I'd be happy to talk to you to discuss any of your real estate needs here in Greenville or even outside of Greenville because I've got a network of realtors outside of this market that I work with as well. So let me know. Contact info in the show notes. And as always, if you like this show, please subscribe to it. Please leave a rating, leave a review. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, all of those things, anything that you can do. It just takes a click or or a press or whatever. Uh, But that really encourages me and also gets this show out to more people, which is what I'm trying to do. So please do those things. That's all I ask of you guys. Um, Today, we are going to talk about rental portfolios. And I've been hearing some rumblings uh, within the investor community about how there have been more rental portfolios coming on the market this year than uh, previous years. Um, And usually these rumblings come with a suggestion or at least a little bit of an innuendo, right? That maybe rental properties aren't performing like they used to, and maybe people can no longer afford property holding costs like taxes, insurance, et cetera. Or perhaps the holding costs themselves are increasing at a faster rate than rents are, and as such, the projected net income of a property no longer makes sense for the owner. I've been hearing these sorts of rumblings. And I feel like it's worth addressing from my perspective, right? Because I work with a lot of investors. Um, I have, over the years, had multiple rental portfolios that I have listed for different people. Um, And I I feel like it's worth addressing what I am seeing on the ground from my perspective with all of the people that I'm talking to, rather than there just being this suggestion, this innuendo out there, well, hmm, A lot of people are selling off rental portfolios these days. There must be something wrong. Um, Not necessarily. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But I want to start by by just clarifying for those listening or watching this episode, what is a rental portfolio? Very simply, a rental portfolio isn't a single family house or a duplex. A rental portfolio would be multiple properties sold together. It could be multiple properties on the same lot could be perhaps a a bunch of condos next to each other. Whatever the case may be, multiple properties sold together as one. Very simple. Now, um, with that in mind, I want to kind of lay some groundwork, right, before I address the the main concern that perhaps there are issues uh, in the rental market that are uh, nefariously causing uh, landlords and landladies to have to sell off rental portfolios in the past they wouldn't have sold off. Um, First off, I want to address that immediate concern, right? The implication that we have more portfolios being sold now than in the past. Let me start by saying this. That's only true if the past only goes back to the year 2020. What do we know about real estate between 2020 and 2022? Well, we've talked about this before, but as a recap, mortgage rates were absurdly low And the result was that a lot of properties uh, were bought up as rentals during that period of time. And needless to say, with owners having really, really low rates, you know, 3%, 3 3.5%, 4%, nobody wanted to sell. 
right? We had that stretch from 2020 uh, through roughly mid to the end of 2022 with these low rates. People get properties uh, under a low rate. They don't want to sell. And those who maybe would have normally sold during that period of time, a lot of those people had an opportunity to then go and refinance and get an even better cash flow than they were getting before. Um, and so obviously they don't want to sell. Now their property is performing even better than it was. So since the pandemic, nothing has been normal. Nothing has been normal since the pandemic. That's a really, really important context. But before then, rental portfolios commonly were sold, right? The fact that we're seeing more rental portfolios than we have at the past few years is not that meaningful, right? We're seeing more single family homes on the market than we did in 2022 and 2021. That's because inventory back then was absurdly low. Um, and so really, it's not that much different than the single family market uh, when it comes to these rental portfolios. If we go back roughly 10 years, the very first rental properties that I ever purchased was actually a uh, a lot of 100 units right, that were all sold by the same seller that were all listed in MLS. Imagine if MLS right now got flooded with a 100-unit rental portfolio. We haven't seen that since then, right? That was 10 years ago. So we need to keep that context, right? If we're comparing anything to the past three to four years, we're not making a fair comparison because the past three to four years have been extremely weird. Um, and that's primarily, as I already said, because we had this artificial period of easy money, right, for this roughly three-year period of time. And that artificial period being three years, that's long enough that it started to feel real. And now people have forgotten what actual reality feels like, right? Well, guess what? We're being reminded of what real and reality feels like, and it feels like rental portfolios commonly being sold off. So this part of what we're experiencing is what we would say regression to the mean, right? We're seeing more rental portfolios, and it feels like a lot in comparison to the past few years, because it is. But if we go back actually historically, five years, 10 years, it is following normal trends for, for the Greenville market. Now, I can't speak to other markets, right? This is a Greenville podcast. We are talking about Greenville real estate specifically. If you're listening in from another market, it might be completely different. Real estate is super duper local. Nothing that happens here impacts Boise or Austin or Las Vegas or San Francisco. Um, so keep that in mind if you're an out-of-state listener. I know we have a bunch of them. Um, additionally, okay, with all of that groundwork, I've got some more groundwork here. We need to remember that a lot of rental portfolios are leveraged with five-year loans, right? The 30-year and 15-year fixed-rate mortgages that are essentially government-subsidized that a home buyer can get, FHA loans, conventional loans, you can't buy rental portfolios with those loans, right? You could buy, in theory, a duplex, a triplex, or a quadruplex, but you couldn't buy a package of, say, two duplexes uh, with a conventional loan. The, the government doesn't allow that. It's not allowed. So you have to go to a actually a commercial lender, typically, or a private lender, or perhaps even a hard money lender with something like that. If you're trying to finance a specialized uh, loan, uh, try, uh, a specialized portfolio like that. And here's the thing. 
the vast majority of those types of loans, right, because they're high, higher risk for the lender, most of those loans are only going to be five-year loans. They typically are not going to give you a 10, 15, 20, 30, in particular a 30-year loan on a portfolio of rental properties. So typically it's going to be five-year loans, and when those loans come to maturity, then decisions have to be made, right? The the borrower has to get a, a new loan, or they have to pay the old one off, or maybe the lender that they're with, credit union, commercial bank, or whatever, maybe they have a way for them to refinance that in-house. Um, but regardless, decisions have to be made once that five-year term comes up. And guess what? Any five-year portfolio loan made in 2018 was due last year. And so uh, I don't know how many portfolios were sold last year that were sold due to a loan coming to maturity, but all the way back in 2018, 2018 feels like an eternity ago, uh, but there were a lot of loans made in 2018. Any five-year loan that was made during that period of time, which would have been most rental portfolios sold during that time, was due last year. Any that were purchased in 2019 are due this year. So you have to keep that in mind. For some, uh, a lot of these rental portfolios are leveraged, and for some borrowers, uh, they have loans that are coming due this year. And remember, rates, if, if, you, if you bought in 2018, 2019, and now you're trying to refinance this year, rates are roughly 3% higher than they were back then. And so this might mean that, A, the borrower can no longer uh, can no longer afford the new loan terms, and or B, the numbers no longer work for that specific property with that borrower, right? For whatever reason. Um, but that doesn't mean, and, and this is very important, that doesn't mean that the numbers won't work for another borrower with a different set, set of rental property parameters. And, and that borrower might purchase the property, have maybe they purchase it cash or maybe they purchase it with financing. They might have a very good property on their hands. It's very important. Anyone that's listening is not an experienced investor. Hear me, hear me loud and clear here. Just because a property doesn't work for another investor doesn't mean it can't work for you. That's very important, right? Because I have purchased rental properties over the years that were on market. Guess what? I had to beat out other people, other investors. There, there was a multiplex I bought a few years ago that was crawling with investors. I had to go super aggressive uh, in order to purchase that property. I bought it for a higher price than anyone else was willing to buy it for. Was it a great investment? Yes, it was a great investment for me. I, I sold that property not that long ago, made a lot of money while I owned it, made a lot of money when I sold it. And so it's very important not to read too much into what other people are perceiving. Numbers don't work for other people. Who cares? Do the numbers work for you? That is all that matters. Is the property worth X amount to you. Maybe the property is not worth to you what it is to another person. Doesn't matter. All that matters is what it's worth to you and what your numbers are. So that's very, very important. Don't read into what other people are doing per se. Obviously, you don't want to completely ignore it. If nobody else is interested in a property, that could be an indication that maybe there's something wrong with it. Um, but it's very important to do all of your analysis independently. Don't be concerned about the analysis that other people are doing. Um, additionally, okay, we've got a lot of additionalies in here. 
but we need to understand the context, right? There's so much context, and when people are making these suggestions that you know there's something broken in the rental market, um, it's usually without this context. So um, hopefully this context is helpful for you guys to kind of think about the market holistically. Um, it's important to remember that the vast majority of rental portfolios are sold off MLS, either off market entirely or by brokers not utilizing MLS, for instance, commercial brokers. Again, when money is easy, these things never get blasted out to the public. These rental portfolios, they don't get blasted out to the public, um, usually because they are gobbled up very quickly off market or off MLS at least. But when rates go up, now there are fewer people that can buy, less demand. Now marketing becomes more important. Now you start to see more of these portfolios being blasted out um, on MLS or in groups um, or via commercial brokers. Um, and so that's important context. Now, with all of that context in mind, let's deal with the real situation at hand. Is there something nefarious happening that isn't completely obvious within the Greenville rental market? Well, let's start from the top. The rental market undoubtedly has cooled from a few years ago. This is what also what happens when easy money dries up, right? Easy money boosts rents. When that easy money goes away, then people tend to, to try to stay where they are, not make any major changes, and that has a, uh, a trickle-down effect on the rental market. Properties that had waiting lists of, of people uh, two years ago are struggling to fill vacancies in 2024. Airbnbs are floundering, and this is all a nationwide trend due to an oversaturated market in general with more rental rentals than renters when it comes to certain properties in certain areas, okay? Uh, and we've definitely seen it here. It's a nationwide trend, but it's also a Greenville trend. I've seen it with my own rentals. I've talked to a lot of other investors. The rental market and the Airbnb market have both cooled substantially the past year. Okay, now how does this compare historically, right? Because I have said earlier in the show, it I am not a big fan of comparing 2024 to 2022 or 2021 because 22 and 21 were very weird years historically. So what does the market feel like to me? Um, it kind of reminds me of 2014 to 2015. The market was similar then where there wasn't as much easy money as other times. The economy still wasn't great. Um, and it wasn't uncommon to see multi-month vacancies for rental properties. It feels very similar to that period of time yet again. Um, and again, was the market bad back then? Not historically speaking, but if you compare it to 2020 to 2022, then yes, it would appear that way. And so if we're comparing the rental market now versus a couple of years ago, it is it is a worse market. But if we're comparing it to the past 10 years, not necessarily. There are there would be comparable years um, in terms of, of this market. And so I think that that's a very important context. Nobody in 2014, 2015 was saying, man, the Greenville rental market is really slow right now. But our market right now, in my opinion, is comparable to then. And people are saying, wow, it's really slow right now. It's just because we've got recency bias, right? It's been such a hot market for, for several years. We got used to that. We thought that it was always going to be that way. And that's just not the case. It's slowed down. It's regressed to the mean. This is, uh, to a certain extent, natural and healthy. Now, I alluded to holding costs. Let's talk about that for a second. Expenses like property taxes, uh, homeowners insurance, liability insurance, etc. Have those gone up in recent years? And are they pushing landlords out of the market? I would say yes and no, okay, right? 
They've definitely gone up, but so has rent, right? Expenses have gone up, but also income has. Um, now, we're talking about the past several years. Now, I don't see too many people, and this is the more important detail, I don't see too many people that are selling their rental portfolios because they aren't cash flowing due to expenses. I just haven't personally run into that. So, Because honestly, if your property is not cash flowing for you, how are you going to sell it to someone else? It's not going to cash flow likely for them either. Um, and this is particularly true when it comes to multifamily. I will say there are some exceptions when it comes to single family packages. I've seen some people sell off some packages of you know four, five, ten uh, single family properties. And in those instances, when people are selling off uh, you know a, a package of single family properties, sometimes the cash flow is a little bit tenuous on some of that. Um, so I will say that, but when we're talking about, you know, uh, small multifamily properties, apartment complexes, uh, things of that nature, generally speaking, um, I am not running into the situation where these aren't cash flowing and people are having to, to get out of it. The only exception to that would be if you've got a landlord that just hasn't raised rents in 20 years, hasn't done any repairs to the property, and now is just trying to offload the property, uh, because it's way more than they can handle. Usually those sell off MLS. There are some currently, if you're looking on MLS, there are some fixer-upper uh, small multifamily properties that are like that out there. That would be the only exception to the rule. But generally speaking, that is not what I'm running into uh, when it comes to these, uh, these portfolios that we're seeing coming online. Now, do I see some people passing up, some potential buyers passing up on opportunities because they're concerned about what their holding costs will be? Yes, absolutely. Lots of hesitancy on this front from buyers, people getting squeezed from taxes, getting squeezed from mortgage rates, getting squeezed from homeowners insurance, getting the squeeze from all over the place. Um, and uh, and so that has for sure impacted demand for some of these portfolios. And so this contributes to some of these portfolios lasting longer on market than maybe they would have in an easy money era, right? If you just alleviate the squeeze from one of those levers, if you just alleviate the uh, the cost of financing, that has a dramatic impact on people's numbers and what they can afford and how attractive a portfolio might be. Um, so perhaps there is more active inventory for these portfolios by virtue of there being less demand, uh, not so much because there are more sellers than usual. That, to me, seems more reasonable. We have more active inventory, uh, less because of there's just way more sellers coming into the market and more because there's just fewer buyers. And so some some of these portfolios are starting to stack up and kind of linger on the market. So where then are these sellers coming from? Well, besides the ones I've already mentioned, um, a lot of them are the older generation just getting out of rentals. They're, you know, people don't realize it's, it's honestly, it can be exhausting uh, being a landlord or a landlady. People that have done it for 20, 30, 40 years, they're ready to get out. They're tired. They, they're ready to be retired. Um, a lot of the older generation tend to not like property managers. They want to self-manage. Well, that's a lot of work. Eventually, you get to be too old to do that. Um, and we've been, uh, we've been seeing a lot of this. And guess what? We're going to be seeing a lot more of this in the future because the boomer generation sits on a massive stockpile of real estate. And as they age out, they will be selling uh, those properties off or passing those properties onto their heirs, the majority of whom uh, are likely to sell those properties off. Because let me tell you, 
Most of the time when rental properties are inherited, those the, the people inheriting those properties, they don't want them, right? They just want the money. They don't want to have to worry about, they don't want to have to step into management. They don't even know the tenant uh, that's in there. They don't know what the property, what work the property needs to have done. They just want to sell the property and just get their money. I've also seen a large portion of people just needing to liquidate uh, property and get equity for one reason or another, right? Nothing, again, nothing nefarious, just they've got a property that has a lot of equity in it, and they're like, you know what? I need this equity. I need this money. Um, and these types of, uh, of occurrences are random and unpredictable, but they happen with more regularity when, you guess it, um, you, they happen, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. They happen with more regularity when, as you can probably guess, money is more expensive than it has been in the past, right? Because people now are in a situation where they've got this equity, but in order to hold on to it, it costs them more money because money isn't coming as easy. Uh, maybe they need to borrow money for a business, or they would like to borrow money for a business, but now they've that the cost of doing that is much more expensive than it was. And so it's like, okay, well, where can I get more money if this loan is going to cost me too much or maybe I, I don't qualify for this loan? Well, I've got these rental properties and I've got equity in them. I might as well sell those off and take advantage of the equity that I have. In some cases, I see people assessing their broader portfolio and picking specific properties they want to sell off for one reason or another. Maybe it's a property where they have more debt than others, right? They they might look at, you know, they've got 30 properties and they're like, you know what, if I sold off uh, these 10, these 10 doors, uh, then I could be debt free. So why wouldn't I do that? I don't want to have to pay debt, you know, pay debt servicing anymore. I just want to get rid of all of that. Um, and so I've seen that. Maybe it's a property that really doesn't fit the rest of their portfolio. For instance, maybe you've got, you know, four or five single family homes but everything else that you own is in a single apartment complex. I've seen sellers do that where they're like, I just want to sell off these single family homes and just keep all of my real estate in this apartment complex. Very, very common. I've seen this over and over and over again. These are the most common reasons I am seeing and hearing people selling these portfolios off. Again, if there was anything nefarious to it, I would tell you guys, I'm not afraid to complain uh, about you know property taxes and homeowners insurance. We've talked about that on the show. Uh, the costs of, of repairs and maintenance. We've talked about all of these things at other times in the show. But I'm just telling you, boots on the ground, I'm not hearing people saying that they're trying to liquidate uh, rental portfolios because of those expenses or because of, of rents being low. Not hearing that. Um, I think it's important as well to say, to look at what we're not seeing, right? I've to told you what I am seeing. What I'm not seeing is defaults. Um, and, and again, nationwide, we talked about this on the show as well. Um, people are not going in, historically speaking, not defaulting on their loans, on their mortgages. Um, and I haven't seen any examples of people selling off rental portfolios due to running into potential foreclosure issues. Um, and so the result of that is that many of these portfolio sellers really aren't all that motivated. Unless they really, really need that money for something, they might be in kind of a take it or leave it point of view. And I've, I've, trust me, I've seen this over and over again, where it's like, you know what, if I, here's what I'm willing to sell it for. If I, if I don't get that, then I'm just going to hold on to it. Like it's cash flowing. It's not causing me any problems. I'd like to sell it 
and do something else, do a 1031 exchange or, 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 you know, use that money into some other investment. Um, but maybe they're okay with, with not doing that if they're not going to hit the amount of money that they want. I'm seeing that over and over again as well. Um, and so a lot of these sellers are willing to test the market to see what they can get. Um, and if they can't get what they want, they will hold on to the property and just continue continuing on. Um, long story short, the dynamics in the rental portfolio space aren't really all that different than they are in the single family space right now, right? We already I already compared it um, and said just as inventory has gone up in single family, so has inventory in, in rental portfolios. Um, financing uh, being more expensive than recent years is impacting both supply and demand. Older people are selling. Some are choosing to avoid uh, this space, this rental portfolio space altogether due to the expenses involved, etc. These are all the exact same dynamics that I'm experiencing in the single family market. And the reality is that real estate as a cash flow engine, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, right? Because I'm not just this, uh, I'm not just the type of realtor that's just like, oh yeah, investing in real estate makes you tons of money and it's always a great option and, and you're just missing out. Listen, it, the reality is that real estate as a cash flow engine isn't quite the dream that it was a few years ago because the cost of money has gone up. Uh, but real estate is still a very good asset for an investment portfolio, in my opinion. This is not investment advice. Um, but from a tax standpoint, which this also isn't tax advice, so talk to your accountant and investment advisor about these things. Um, but it still makes a lot of sense uh, for a lot of people to have in their portfolio, particularly if you're a cash buyer, particularly if you're a cash buyer, because you can avoid all those concerns about the uh, the cost of money, the cost of financing. Um, and so I think that that's, that's very important. Um, we had, you know, this, this stretch from 2020 to 2022 where everyone wanted rental properties because it was like, wow, it's so cheap to, to buy this property. Now that the cheapness has gone away to a certain extent, people are pulling back a bit. Uh, but that doesn't mean that real estate isn't a good value anymore. You got to take it case by case and assess things from your pers- actual standpoint for yourself specifically. It's going to be different for different people. Now, maybe you've been thinking about buying a, a rental portfolio or investment pro- uh, properties, but you're on the fence. You're concerned about all that's happening. I'm going to give you three concluding thoughts, and you can go- take those thoughts and use them however you would like. First off, and this is just common sense, but it bears repeating. Run your numbers and have realistic expectations, okay? When you're assessing a rental portfolio um, or investment properties in general. And, and I think that this is what a lot of people don't realize when they're, when they're purchasing in, investment properties. You really shouldn't expect to make any money the first year that you're holding a rental property. You need to be prepared to maybe even lose a little bit of money, but you need to be prepared at least to break even. If you make money your first year, holding a rental property. That's great. That's a bonus, okay? That shouldn't be the expectation. Now, when some hear that, they will swing to the other side of the fence um, and run ultra-conservative numbers and then say, well, I'm only going to buy a rental property that makes me this this much cash, 
you know, per month right away and fits these specific criteria and, you know, right from day one is a great property. <sighs> Usually what I find from these people is they never buy anything, okay? Um, and so that's where um, you need to have realistic expectations. Part of the realistic expectations is knowing that the properties might not cash flow, it might not be as great as Bigger Pockets says that they are. Um, but some of it is as well recognizing that, hey, it might still be a good investment even if it doesn't cash flow, you know, doesn't hit the 1% rule, doesn't do all these things. It just, it depends, again, on everyone's situation. Um, and again, there's nothing, if, if you look at all of this and you decide, you know what, I'm never going to find a property that fits what I'm looking for as an investor, there's nothing wrong with that. Real estate investing isn't for anyone. Uh, it's not for everyone. It's only for certain people. Not everyone is is a real estate investor. And so that's really important. Have, like, sit down, have a serious conversation with yourself, with your spouse, with your partners, whatever, about whether you truly have the risk tolerance to be a real estate investor. You might not. Uh, because I run into a lot of, uh, of new investors that they want to e completely eliminate risk out of the equation. They love the idea of real estate because it's much less risky than, for instance, Bitcoin or the stock market or whatever the case. You have full control over that property. And so it has a lot less risk, but you can never eliminate all the risk. And the people that come to me and you know immediately are, are telling me about essentially how they, they want to eliminate risk. And they might not say it that way, but what they're describing to me, you know, how they, they want a property that is already making all sorts of money and that hits this rule and that, you know, doesn't need any work and that has never had this problem or that problem, um, that might not be a realistic approach, okay? You might need to reconsider whether real estate investing is really for you. So run your numbers, but also have realistic expectations for whether both for what the market has out there and also for you as an investor be introspective and and willing to recognize if you are not a good candidate for real estate investing which not everyone is point number 2 which just brings me to is that scared money don't make money one of my favorite phrases um and particularly in real estate i see scared money all the time right people who make decisions from a Scarcity mindset, what if I make a mistake? What if the market turns on me, etc.? Versus confident investors who are willing to take a swing on a property because they know that the worst case scenario really isn't all that bad, right? Residential real estate holds value and has utility. So it's not like investing a bunch of money in a startup um, or in you know speculative crypto or penny stocks or whatever where you may lose all your money uh, if things turn out very poorly. Um, that, that's not investment advice, by the way. Again, talk to your uh, talk to your investment advisor. Um, but um, but real estate is different, right? In in the worst case scenario, you have something that has actual value for someone. It might not be as good of an investment as you hoped it was, um, but it's not the same as investing at, in these other things that are speculative and or that you have little or no control over. Now, with regard to experienced versus inexperienced investors, arguably, in my opinion, the biggest difference between an experienced and an inexperienced one is the confidence element. Inexperienced investors want to know every little detail about a property. 
When was the flooring installed? How old are the kitchen cabinets? When was the last termite treatment? An experienced investor, on the other hand, walks into a, a promising property and immediately smells money. They see opportunity before they see problems, right? Now, he or she might have some of the same questions as the, an experienced investor. Um, absolutely. An experienced investor doesn't have fewer questions. Typically, they have more questions, but they won't get hung up on the questions because they see that the opportunity is larger than the potential concerns. And that's where scared money don't make money. The people, the investors that are willing to take risks and that are willing to not be scared, they are the ones over and over again that come out on top. The ones that want to eliminate risk and that are, are playing the game scared, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to, to play this game scared because you're going up against a lot of people that aren't scared. Um, and, you know, guess what? Some, you know, look at if you've ever watched sports, if you're a sports person, you know that there are these irrational confidence guys, right? The guys like uh, Kadarius Tony, for instance, on the Chiefs. Remember that guy? He was nearly the MVP of the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. Um, and he's he's terrible. He's trash. I'm just going to say that. Not a good not a good football player. He didn't even play in the Super Bowl this past year uh, because he's so bad. But he was an irrational confidence guy. He was blowing up the Super Bowl against the Eagles just a couple of years ago. And um, in the NBA, the NBA is full of these types of, of irrational confidence people. Where am I going with all this? Um, sometimes you need to have a little bit of irrational confidence uh, and, and just believe in yourself. Even if you've never done this before, believe that you have what it takes in order to, to take the plunge. Because if you don't, then you're just never going to take the plunge. All right. Con- concluding point number three. The best day to buy your first investment property was yesterday. Okay? I've said this before. The best day to buy a house was yesterday. Well, the best day to buy your first investment property was also yesterday. And I use this phrase over and over again because it's so true. And I'm not just saying it because I'm a realtor, right? I'm sure some of you are rolling your eyes. I get it. I'm a realtor. I, I want so, so many people to buy houses, um, <laughs> right? And I want them all to use me. Um, but aside from that, talk to anyone who had the opportunity to buy a few years ago and didn't. And all you hear is regret over and over again. I'm telling you, I, I work in this space. I hear regret all the time. Very, very rarely do I hear regret from someone that bought a property. It almost always, I would say 90 to 95% of the time, the regret is from the people that didn't buy. Um, and and I'm just being honest. Like I can't even think of a person at the moment that bought an investment property that regretted. I can't think of a single person um, that, that fits that boat. Now the caveat is, I will say this, that I'm around smart investors. And when I get clients that are looking to invest but are inexperienced, maybe aren't yet a smart investor, I try to coach them up the best I can to make them a smart investor. Um, now, So I'm sure that there are people that I don't know, right? People that aren't in my circles, that aren't my clients, that are not smart investors, that have made mistakes that they regret, and perhaps you know some of them. They are the outliers, I'm telling you. They are not in the norm. Most people that are are investing in real estate, have invested the past few years, are very, very happy with their investments. They might not be happy as happy now as they were a year or two ago, but they're still very happy 
with the investment that they have because they know they have tons of equity. Uh, they have, you know, an, an asset that is continuing to go up in value. They are in great shape. The people that aren't are the people that had analysis paralysis that got that got scared out of the market, decided not to buy. Those are the ones that are filled with regret right now. So if you're in the market but are stuck on the fence, what would it take for you to get unstuck? Okay, if it's lower rates, and, and I'm not suggesting you should get unstuck. I, I'm just thinking out loud here. If it's lower rates, and that's what you're waiting for, right? You're waiting for lower mortgage rates. I would argue that you may be better off buying now while the market is slower and, and then refinancing later at lower rates, right? We talk frequently about buy the house, date the rate, or marry the house, date the rate. Same thing with rental portfolios. Um, it's not always as easy to refi a rental portfolio as just a single family house. So certainly keep that into consideration. Uh, but generally speaking, I would people that are, are in the market for a rental portfolio, it, waiting for rates to go down isn't going to benefit you because we've had this conversation. Same thing in single family. Rates go down, demand goes up, and then prices start to skyrocket. So keep that in mind. If there are opportunities out there, but the numbers don't really work at like 7%, but they would work at 6%, you might want to go ahead, you might want to consider at least buying at 7% and then uh, having the opportunity to refinance down the road at 6% or lower. And again, this is some of, of what we're talking about is understanding that your first year that you own a property, you need to have tempered expectations. Um, and so part of that can be, you know what, this first year, uh, maybe the first couple of years, rates might be higher than I want them to be, but hopefully I'll be able to refinance lower. And if not, guess what? The way the market is appreciating, you've got an appreciating asset. If you're not happy with it, you should be able to sell it after a couple of years. Um, if it's prices that are keeping you stuck on the fence, well, it would take a lot more inventory coming on the market for prices to see meaningful declines in the rental portfolio space or in any real estate space. And if you're holding out for that, I'm telling you right now, you are never going to come off the fence. If prices are what you're waiting for, you're waiting for prices to go down. Yeah, that you, you're not coming off that fence. Um, and if you don't like the current options, you can hold out as long as you want. But be realistic. Look at sales the past couple of years. Look at look at the rentals and the portfolios that have sold the last couple of years. I, I do this as an exercise with my clients sometimes. It's like, okay, let's actually see if the past year or two, if what if the if there's property that has sold that you would actually have bought, and what does that look like? And if you do that, if you do that exercise and determine that you would not have bought any of those properties except maybe one or two. So so you look back the past couple of years and you're like, okay, yeah, there's a property I would have bought and. Here's another one that that maybe I would have considered. I would have considered this port rental portfolio. If in a couple of years you you only see one or two that you would have bought, then guess what? You're never going to find what you're looking for. That's not enough. Enjoy the fence that you're on, right? You're going to be on the fence for a long time. Dress that fence up. Paint it. Nice fresh coat of paint. Decorate it. Put like garland on it or something because you're going to want to Look good while you hang on to that fence for the foreseeable future. Um, you need to 
have a lot more than just a couple of properties that would have been potential for you. So, some of you, if you did that exercise, you would look back and not find any properties that you would have been interested in. And then you know, okay? you're Again, real estate investing isn't for everyone. So do that exercise, and then you can determine if you would uh, potentially find something now. What I like to see is if you go back a year or two and you see six to eight properties that you think would have fit your buying criteria, that's a good sign, okay? Now we're talking. So let's look back at these properties and assess how likely it is that we will see properties similar to them coming online in the next year. That's the way to handle that. I wanna see if, 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 if I'm unsure if someone will be able to find what they're looking for, I wanna see that there are six to eight properties that would have fit their criteria the past couple of years. That's usually a good indication that we will find something in the future. Long story short, there's a lot happening, a lot going on with rental portfolios, but I don't think that we're at the spot yet where we need to be thinking about, okay, this is something nefarious or something going on. Renting, you know, having rental portfolios in, in Greenville or in South Carolina no longer makes sense. I'm not getting that sense from the people that are selling or looking to sell right now. Um, there's a whole lot of other things going on, um, and hopefully this podcast helped to clear some of that up. Um, but right now, the important thing is if you're looking for a rental portfolio, you have more options than you've had the past three years. So take advantage of those options while they exist. And I'd be happy to help you with that. If you need a realtor who specializes in this kind of thing, I am one of those. So please reach out to me. My contact information is in the show notes. If you need to have a realtor for this type of real estate, or if you just need someone to help you find a home in general in this area, I'm your guy. So look in the show notes for my contact info. Uh, And please as well, if you like the show, subscribe, rate, review, all of those good things. And we will talk again next time.